The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to The Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of The Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective, you could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I have a very special guest today to break down this next album we're covering here in the vault. If you're listening to the show, you heard him before on a version of the Guest Lounge. He is a owner of Urban Science Media, also the creator of Players of the South Hip Hop's number one scripted podcast, and as of this year, also the host and creator, producer of one of the most innovative shows I've come across in quite some time. And it is called Food Dope. Food Dope Podcast. It is a podcast started this year, and it's all based around interviewing people in the food space, particularly chefs and also restauranteurs and foodies. What they do is they take an intersection of classic hip-hop and the culinary arts, and they draw parallels between the two. It's a very, very good idea and um, really dope, and I hope that you go check that out. Of course, I'm talking about none other than The Professor, Nathan Rideau, here in the house in the Vault Classic Music Reviews to break an album down with me again. Nathan, what's going on, bro? How are you? I'm good, man. What it is, my man? Everything's good, man. You know, uh, everything is everything. And I, I was talking to Nathan before we came on and was telling him, you know, I listened to the show. I was already, you know, a really big fan of Play of the South. But waiting and each episode as I've listened to this story that continues, he told me about the show that he was going to do. And we did our interview back in December. And, <laughs> you know, it's it's been more than what I've expected. And Nathan's already been places. You went out to Vegas not too long ago and, yeah. um, you know, had a show out there. So my man's doing big things, man. So props to you, man, and props for you and your team for doing the work done. Y'all are always putting out great content as always, man. So thank you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, B. Cox, for having me back on. As you said, man, I've just been trying to stay busy over this last, this crazy time over this last year. You know, a lot of people shriveled up and, mm-hmm. you know, put themselves in a state of fear or whatever. It just made me go harder. So, you know, yes, like sir. you said, I, I did Players from the South last year. Um, and that's like you said, hip hop's first scripted podcast, hip hop history told from a perspective of the South along the Gulf Coast mixed in with urban redevelopment and, and issues we have going on today. We did five episodes of that, and each episode is named after a classic hip-hop song from the South. Yeah. Um, song or album, um, particular theme. Um, I finished that up, and then 
like I told you when I was on the show, I think it was in December, I was getting ready to start Food Dope, and mm-hmm. I'll be damned if I did, and it's it's going real well, man. Got yeah. a good reception, and I figured, uh, you know, in hip-hop, everybody has a story to tell. Like, you have yours, I have mine, yeah. and I wanted to talk to some chefs. To, I want to hear, I like to hear the come-up story, yeah. and I want to hear what they were listening to at a particular time in their life while they were coming up, and what drives them. Yeah. So that was the whole driving force behind Food Dope. Yeah, and the intersectionality between food and, and music. Really, you know, a lot of people don't understand, like, how much that really plays into each other, man. A lot of times when we talk about the memories that we have of music growing up, a lot of it is tied towards food, whether it was your grandma in the kitchen (laughs) cooking, your mama in the kitchen cooking, you at home with your lady cooking or something. It's always some music going on. Me and my lady, when we cook, we always have music on, you know? Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, and look look at nights in 85 when the fat boys did All You Can Eat. Yeah. I'm like, come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I love it. Yes, sir. I love yeah, it. Yeah. 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 So, and you talk about it, man. You talk about your story. And part of that today is the album we're going to do today. And of course, as you always know, here right. on The Vault, our saying is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics of MBTC. And the big reason why I have you on here today is by the album that we're covering here today. Just celebrating 25 years in the game yeah. since it's been released. And specifically, I wanted to talk to you about this because of where you're from, your history, and your knowledge. So I could think of no better album to bring on to talk about than now the album that we're talking about, everyone. We're going to go down to New Orleans, go down to Louisiana, where Nathan's from, and go back to one of the pioneers, entrepreneurs, really moguls, when you talk about rap moguls, and then being entertainment mogul, really overall, the model of what people wanted to be when it came to being a hip-hop entrepreneur that spanned into so much, so many things bigger than what he ever could imagine. And we're talking about the fifth studio album by none other than Master P, the Ice Cream Man. Yes, and sir. released April 16th, 1996. 25 years, and of course on No Limit Records, not too long after getting the priority deal, which um, assisted them in what they were doing, but this was a No Limit show. This was P's record label, his baby, yeah. that he birthed from New Orleans, brought to California, then brought back down to New Orleans. And you can tell that listening to this album. So, exactly. the, so the particulars about this album, we'll run through them. As we said, April 16th, 1996, recorded between 95 and 96. An ambitious album, 78 minutes and 18 seconds and 19 tracks. Producers on here, executive produced by none other than Beats by the Pound. Yes, sir. The the architects of the No Limit sound that carried them through their independent days, through mainstream success, and things that they produced now still resonate through people in New Orleans, all through the Third Coast, all the way up to both coasts and worldwide, which is what helped make helped make Master P and also made No Limit a worldwide phenomenon by their success. Also, other producers on here, K. Lou and DJ Daryl. But 19 tracks on here, Nathan. The guest spots on here, of course, you know them. Mia X, Silk uh-huh. the Shocker, Moby yeah. Dick. Guest appearances by Bum B and Pimp C and UGK. And yeah. it's interesting that this happens because they happen to release one of the pivotal Southern classic albums and Riding Dirty in 96 as well. Uh-huh. And um, also Mr. Servon and Trey 8. And Skull Duggery all made up this guest appearances of this album that came out in 1996. Now, three singles from this album, Mr. Ice Cream Man, which came out two weeks before the album released. Bout About It Part 2, 
<laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and a lot of people don't know there are different parts about it people have heard right. different versions and the one on yeah. this album is probably not the one that many people are familiar with but right. this is about about it part two and then no more tears which was also released um later on in 1997 nathan man ice cream man and so yeah. this is really the album that really put i think people in new orleans knew about p and then as he made his travels out to Richmond, California, people knew about P. Folks would know about P throughout the South and into the Southwest and the Texas and New Orleans, and those who knew him knew about him and knew his music. This was his fifth album, but this was really the album that put him and No Limit on the map because yeah. this is really the first time that anybody outside of that, really those areas and in the South, heard about P. So you're my expert. I go to you when it comes to things like this because um, you were around. You're a veteran. You've uh, been around, like you said, you in our interview, you grew up with hip-hop. This is your hometown, uh, your yeah. home state, your area. Yeah. You specialize. So give us people an idea of when this album came out, You know what you were doing, what you thought about it when you first heard the album, and your lasting impressions. Now, I know that you've heard, you may have heard from P plenty before this came out, but this was you know the one that sort of got him out and spread out across the coast and then worldwide where people heard from him for the first time possibly. Exactly, exactly. And uh, man, let me tell you, the, the, let me just to set the scene, how it was. Um, now, I was living in, I was in Atlanta in 96 mm -hmm. by that by that time. So I had been away from New Orleans for five, maybe five years. Mm -hmm. And when I moved to Atlanta, I picked up more of a, what was going on here. Mm -hmm. We had more, we had more of an East Coast centric type of hip hop thing because there was no independent label uh you know farm system going on around this area yeah so i was more listening to i think i told you before more east coast type thing yeah. so i think it, when the album came out in april um i didn't know about it all i knew was like 95 94 95 we used to see in the source magazine the full page ads for a uh, no limit records yeah the uh the funny <laughs> album covers like yes. the 99 ways to die album cover and we yeah. used to laugh at you know <laughs> and we just because the artwork and everything and who they were affiliated with we could tell it was uh bay area it was independent it was bay area yeah related so and that we used to laugh at it so i think uh fast forward a year later i think i'm watching rap city mm -hmm. summer of 96 man and that ice cream man video came on yeah and as soon as i saw it i started seeing places on the video that i related to that i knew exactly where they were filming mm. where he was driving the lexus and, and and everything man and that just hit me like oh shit he from back home yeah and it just got me to a point where i started paying more attention yeah. And then that summer also, man, it just hit, as you said earlier, what Suave House was doing, No Limit was doing, what, and then UGK was, was doing, man, it was the South that started to get regular rotation to where the whole top eight at eight could be nothing but the South. Yeah. Um. So it, it was a magic mystical had blown up by this time, you know, and yeah. before his No Limit day. And so it was like, it was a magical time, man. But that 96, when I first saw it on Rap City, that just, you know, Put, put a bug in my ear that, oh, this cat's from, from home, so I'm going to start paying more attention. Yeah. And to set the scene, I went home that summer, and I was grown by this time. So, I, like I said, it had been five years. I was a teenager when I last time I was there, so we were still kids. Mm -hmm. So by the time I went back, man, it was hot, 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 summer of 96. Oh, yeah. And dudes who that, who that I knew were, were, were kids when I left, shit, was grown and sh shooters now and getting oh, shot. And, wow. and, and and the music was fitting the time that, you know, that all that Southern, that Gulf Coast shit at the time, man, that U UGK, Mert, all that was fitting what was going on at the time. Yeah. So it kind of showed me, oh, this all this music is, is hip-hop, but it's different. It's a soundtrack of what's going on down here. Yeah. And that's why they talk more reality 
shit in the deep south then you know they, they didn't talk a lot of metaphors like they did in east coast flow and everything they talked a lot of real life street shit yeah so and i think this album is pivotal because it set the stage for what was going on at the time yeah yeah man it's it's crazy because you know, there's it, it, a bit of an age difference, age gap between us, you know. And yeah. so I, I was 14 in 96 when this came out. I wasn't okay. really checking for P. The first time that I really heard P was I was in high school and uh, the the sixth album he came out with, which was Ghetto D, was really the first time that I'd heard of P in depth. Now, I remember the Ice Cream Man video as well because I was a avid watcher of rap city you know i used yeah. to and also an avid watcher of the box so yeah. i used to always watch these music videos because i was in depth and in tune to the culture i didn't really know a whole lot about p until after ghetto d came out and then as i'm in high school not only does ghetto d come out but then in my junior year the last dawn comes out and then you know all the different other no limit projects you can think about like fiend there's one in every family you know there's unpredictable yeah, yeah. you know mia x i right. mean all these different other projects that are coming out Shell shocked, shell yeah, shocked. Yeah. You know all these different yeah. other great projects from No Limit, and I'll be honest with you: when I was in high school, I was not a No Limit fan. Like mm -hmm. I liked Southern rap, but there was only certain Southern rap that I liked. Like I liked right. Outkast. <laughs> right. You know right. that's that's who I Goody Mob. I liked them. I liked yeah. Scarface. I liked Ghetto Boys. But yeah. there was something about the music that really my mind wasn't open to it because I was such in my East Coast bag at that time, and right. I wasn't really receptive to the music. Now, yeah. as everything sort of changed and P sort of came out, I went back and listened to Ice Cream Man. And um, the one thing that I think I remembered even back then is that it sounded like very West Coast-like. Like a mm -hmm. lot of the sound, the beat sounded West Coast. And then he's saying, right. I was like, well, hold on. I thought this dude, he was from New Orleans. Like, why is he saying he's from Richmond, California? <laughs> yeah. And then as you do your yeah. research, you find things out. But I wasn't really receptive to this. And I would say I really didn't get an appreciation for P and what he did. And not just what he did musically, but what he meant to New Orleans and to that whole third coast in conjunction yeah. with all the other things you were talking about, Suave House, Swisher House, UGK, and, yeah. and Rap-A-Lot, all the things that yeah. they were doing for that region of the country. And then when I saw what he did as a businessman, it was like, all right, well, this just kind of makes sense. And you hear it on this album, him talking about some black owned. This is black owned. No, like, Ooh. you know, uh, brothers out here making 15% uh, on gold and platinum records. I'm making yeah. everything. I own it. I get no, I'm getting all the guap, everything. Yeah. It's all mine. Yeah. I grew more of an appreciation for P and not just necessarily, like you said, the rap was different. It wasn't like, you know, metaphorical and similes and, and right. super lyrical, like, you know, right. like, but it wasn't meant for that. Cause like you said, when I finally got around to appreciating it and it's a soundtrack for where you're from, what the music he was making reflected his environment at where he was at the time. And yeah. thinking back, I remember when music was being made, particularly when it came to go-go music and when DC was the murder capital between like 1989 to mm -hmm. like 91, 92, that yeah. the music was a lot more rugged because the times were rough. So yeah. I really didn't get an appreciation for his works until much later. And then like listening to it this past week, I think I got a whole new appreciation really for how difficult the task it was that he was doing to be doing this independently and mm -hmm. to be moving units and selling hundreds of thousands of CDs and records moving first from California, but then to come back and then to set base back up in new Orleans 
and then to right. hope to capture the essence and really make a identity for that that part of the country from somebody not even being anywhere close to there. And mm-hmm. let me tell you something. People from D.C., oh, they love No Limit. They love No Limit, and they loved Master P. And, oh, um, really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> bro, when I was in high school, yeah. like, uh, people loved Master P. Like, it's uh, it's something about folks in D.C., and I think because a lot of us, are, are their families are originally from the South, and okay. um, they are really into Southern rap, man, and then really into stuff like when it comes to New Orleans and from Houston. So we got mm. a lot of people here that are fans of UGK, fans right. to a G to a Key, fans to of, um, of Master P and No Limit and Cash Money. Like, um, it's just just something about it up here. Yeah. We do, they love P. But and I, I I'm yeah, sorry. It's, yeah. it's, I think that's what's so so dope about DC. Also, was DC understands with the Google scene that subculture of yeah. what how powerful a subculture could be to where this is our you know our thing. This is our thing. This is our, our thing. thing. Yeah, and, and that's the important thing I think about No Limit. And then in watching some of the No Limit Chronicles that happened that came on BET this year, I sort of like remembered that this wasn't an overnight thing, though it seemed overnight mm-hmm. to a lot of people because. <laughs> It wasn't there, but this has been something that had been building for years and yeah. eventually cracked. And this was really the thing that made that that bust the door open because my first thing was Mr. Ice Cream Man. And then eventually yeah. the next year was about it. And then after that, it's like the floodgates open because yeah. it's like people from from west to north to east to south. Everybody was on about it. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> everybody yeah. was on about it. So but yeah, that that's my impression of it. And I think the appreciation part for me is um, just what he did. And um, I'll share yeah. a little bit about that when we get a little bit later on. But we're going to get into the meat of the album. So let's okay. uh, let's get into your highlights, man. Tell me 19 tracks. Actually, it's close to 20. It's 78 minutes, so it, it's long. It's, and a lot of projects back then were long, but just give me like a <laughs> few of your tracks, your highlights, man. Like what are your highlights on this album? And if you have any lowlights, what are your lowlights as well? Man, I, I think most of most of these are highlights, so I'm just gonna start start with the lowlights. Out of all these songs, I, I I picked just a few where hmm, it it was it was put it this way. You know, back in the days when when you know you record an album, you might do thirty songs, mm-hmm. and your label might just pick fourteen. Yeah, and the other ones just go some. You know, it just goes somewhere. Yeah, I think with No Limit when with P, the formula was. Whatever we make, we're just going to put everything gonna put out. out. Yeah. <laughs> because I heard uh, Mystical say that the formula was P wanted 20 or more songs on your album. One of them had to be about your dead homies. And one of them had to be one of your, uh, your mom, about your mo- mama. mama d- pray yeah. for your baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of them type. Yeah. So he wanted to give the consumer, you know, give them what they paid for. Yeah. So I have Killer P. Killer mm-hmm. P is one that I could have did without. Okay, got it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it was toward the end of the album. It was Killer P and right after uh, Things Ain't What They Used To Be. Yeah, okay. Those are two. Oh, and Time To Check My Crack House. That was very experimental mm-hmm. for the time, but I think that's another one. Let's just put that on the album. Yeah. Um, now, in a lot of these songs, I heard, I didn't hear until the movie dropped, mm. like the following year in 97, and they right. were actually on the Bout It movie. Yeah. Um, but other than that, man, my highlights... Of course, ice cream man. Time for one eight seven. Dope. Half a bag on a dank. Half a, on a bag of dank. Dope. And like break them off something. It's it's one of those songs, man. When it comes on, if you in the south, yeah. And we might be damn near fifty years old now and have families and kids, but if we in a public setting and break them off something comes on, yeah. 
niggas is thugged out again. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You I can know? see that. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it has that signature. It had that signature sound. Um, and I like to tell the story of the song in context, which makes it extra dope to me because I read the story mm-hmm. in the Pimp C book about how P was on his way from New Orleans to uh, Houston mm-hmm. and he called Pimp C in, while he was in Port Arthur and told him he needed something, you know, have something for me when I'm on the way. Mm-hmm. So he stopped off in Port Arthur. P had break him off something ready for him. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, uh, Pimp C did. Wow. So they threw the mattress over the bathtub. They recorded break him off something in Pimp C's bathroom yeah. with the microphone hanging on. Master P had to stand over the toilet with the microphone over the toilet and the, and the mattress is over the, you know, in the bathroom. Oh, and man. That cla- and that classic came out of that. Wow, man. Yeah. That is yeah. unbelievable. Like, there's yeah. just the stories like that in hip-hop are the things that I live to hear, you know? And yeah. how, like, some rare moments of genius happen where it's just, like, all of a sudden, bam. And then before you know it, you made magic. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And, and that song right there, man, it's just the... Oh, man. If you if you could just listen to... I was listening to it Friday also. And it's just the sim- the, the music underneath the vocals, yeah. the, the Pimp C on, on the cymbals, the cymbal program, the hi-hats. Just listen to the, the cymbals in triple time. It probably had to be one of the first times a producer did. Just pay attention to the cymbals because I did about three. It just grabs you, man. It just yeah. grabs your ear. And you can let the cymbal, the cymbals and the hi-hats set the stage for the rest of the song. And just watch how Pimp C was just fucking those cymbals up, man. Yeah. That's, that's an amazing, amazing track. Amazing now, track. Now, I, I also like player from around the way where you know with Moby Dick on the hook you yeah. can never go wrong with oh, yeah. Moby Dick on the hook not at all yeah right right yeah. selling ice cream it had it it that's one i would say maybe 20 years ago or 10 years ago i wouldn't have really cared for mm-hmm. but i i think now i'm in my in my like i said i'm a so, sort of an audiophile now so i'm mm-hmm. listening for music yeah and that reminded me of one of those days in the 80s watching soul train and you see one yeah. of them one of them bands on with the synthesizers and the yeah. keyboards. Yeah. That's what that reminds me. So, you know, I, I have a new appreciation for uh, for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, what are some of your highlights? Man, well, look, and you know, I, I think this has been the first time I listened to this album from start to finish, probably in about 10 years or so. Okay. And so I think like when I do things like that and I set albums down for a while and I don't come back to them like in full, I always find that I discover something new about the album. So, yeah. I mean, obviously my highlights, Mr. Ice Cream Man, um, and I remember the radio cut for this was mm-hmm. um, something. And it was just like when I listened to it and it was like, yo, so this is like a, a hip hop track. I'm like... <laughs> This sounds like even back then I was like, this sounds like it doesn't even sound like something that somebody should be rapping over. Like this sounds yeah. like something like maybe I'll be sure or somebody like that yeah. should be singing over. Well, Mr. You know, Mr. Ice Cream Man, the original was um, World Class Wrecking Crew. Mm-hmm. It was bef- before you turn off the lights. Yeah. With, uh, Michelle A singing the hook. Yeah. And, and, and the thing about it, I think the, the, this interpolation of it, man, is one of the rare occurrences where mm-hmm. the actual remake is better than the original. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I hear you. No, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's, um, you know, listening to that, and of course, half on a bag of dank. I mean, obviously, man, it's um, <laughs> this is just like classic mid '90s. Like, you know, hey, look, get your if you're in the East Coast, get your Dutches or your Phillies. If you're down yeah. south, is get your Swishers and you know, <laughs> and and light something up, you know. And yeah. then, um, like you mentioned about break them off something, bro. Like, ah. Uh, I mean, and this is like the combination when you have two great things come together. You have P, who was really starting to break out. 
and, yeah. and do his thing. And then you have UGK who are on the cusp of and have been releasing great music for years. But UGK was really, in my opinion, on the cusp of releasing what I believe is their magnum opus. The right. work that I think that they're most known for throughout the hip hop community, which is Riding Dirty. And yes. then that story you just told me about it just takes the mythology of this song to a whole <laughs> nother level. Because right. that's just something that's just like literally, like you said, bam, magic is created. You can't go wrong with something yeah. like Pimp C and, and Bum B on a track together. But then when you throw P on there, you got yeah. the makers of something special. And that's what you have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, again, another one for me, you know, uh, player from around the way and selling ice cream, both with Moby Dick mm-hmm. on the on the hook. Um, yeah. Both of those kind of really had that, you know, West, especially selling ice cream, had that West Coast feel to it, which is right. one of the highlights to me for the album is the fact that this incorporation, you got this sort of original ideas that Beats by the Pound sort of has. And then you have this West Coast influence from P's days, yeah. obviously out in California, California. And, and California. So it, you, everything sort of, you know, merges together. The first time I heard Mia X on a track was about mm. it and so that's always and forever but whatever version about it that i hear will always be a highlight for me um <laughs> yeah you know yeah. you know i liked actually liked watch these hoes man with silk and mr Servon and moby <laughs> yeah. you know i like i'm a, i really like that man um i love the hook a lot of these hooks that moby does you know they fit and and yep. you know he's not an exceptional vocalist but it's always like i tell people man like it's sort of like that effect that you get with Nate Dogg when he sings hooks and mm-hmm. um, you get just the right amount of whether whether it's soul or the harmonizing that you need to do to be yeah. able to make it work. Um, yeah. You know, I actually love the last track, My Ghetto Heroes, because um, I think the message of that, man, um, just speaking about that, when you talk about, you know, kids, when you come up in a certain, you know, certain age, like, you know, we have certain people that we look up to for some of us that may be our OGs that we grow up in the hood with. And some right. of us, it may be, you know, your corner store uncle, like I like to call them. And, and so that kind of struck home with me. I actually kind of like things ain't what they used to be. I, you know, I like the the instrumental more so than anything else. Um, okay. The song itself, mm, you know, but I think the instrumental was cool. Like, I think I was riding with it the other day, and I was like, yeah, this is cool, man. And that's what I think more so than okay. anything is listening to the instrumentals on here sort of complemented what was being said on the tracks. And right. that's a, a testament to the production and putting stuff together. Now, as far as, like, lowlights... I've never really been a fan of Silk, bruh. And um, <laughs> I know that's P brother, you know what I'm saying? But I, as an artist, I don't really see, I don't think he has many redeeming qualities, you know, because mm. it's like almost like, you know, I, always, I, I like to call them like struggle rappers. And I don't right. like to call them struggle rappers because they rap about the struggle. It's because they struggle to rap. And <laughs> I felt like he has always struggled to rap on beat, right. to rhyme. I mean, it's just like I'm sitting there listening and I'm like, oh, well, you know, I remember I used to listen to Silk stuff in high school. And we used to clown him all the time. It's like maybe mm-hmm. the early stuff is a little bit better. And it's like, mm, yeah. no, 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 yeah. not a lot. <laughs> it's not any better not many better at all i mean not many low lights you know back up off me i mean i could have maybe done without i think if you would have like you said p wanted the 20 songs on there man but i think if you take those 20 songs down to about let's say 16 maybe 15 i think what you have right there is something absolutely phenomenal because at that point you're going to the point where it's like okay we're in no skip territory right now, yeah, you know, exactly. we're in no skip territory. So <laughs> yeah. those are my highlights and my lowlights, you know, as, as we, okay, put you know, down. I'm glad you did mention uh, my ghetto heroes. I forgot that that was, that's, I think that's a certified classic right there, man. Mm-hmm. And that, it puts me in another space when I listen to it Yeah, because it, 
I don't know all the names he was bringing up. Those are real, you know, those are real, real New people. Orleans uptown legends. So, mm. and then he switched in the middle and then switched to the Bay Area, the names people that passed on that he was affiliated with yeah. on the West Coast. But another one of my highlights that I forgot to mention mm-hmm. is Never Ending Game. Nice. Okay. That that track is just hip, so hypnotic. Mm-hmm. It's hypnotizing, man. It's just, and I think nobody ever mistakes mistaken um, P for being a great lyricist, right? <laughs> you know, just but he, you know, he's a good rapper. He's a good rapper, and he had a big presence on the microphone, which got you to pay attention. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, you know, and his, I think his flow really complemented that track well on Never Ending Game. But mm-hmm. uh, that's that's an ill track. Uh, also, it, it has a bit of that. The West Coast sound, and it got a little bit of the Southern sound southern to it. Sound, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I I, I agree with you, I, but CDs, you're right, man. I can see what Pete's talking about. CDs back in the day, man, were like sixteen, seventeen dollars, you know. So yeah, yeah, if you're gonna yeah. give somebody something for their product, that's just the whole thing about Pete being a businessman, you know, what, yeah. and, and wanting to do have good business practices. And you know, if you're selling them out of the trunk, you want to make sure you give 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 some people. Some stuff that yeah. they can go home and, and ride to and feel like they ain't get short of nothing, you know? So, right. And definitely. So, and he had that factory going over there, man. And I man. read a quote yesterday that um, KLC said, this was yesterday, I just read. KLC said P's mentality was most of the stuff he did, they never got mixed or mastered. His mentality was, Niggas only got one speaker in their car anyway. As long as they can hit a bass in my vocals, we straight. <laughs> so he was he was putting it. out multi platinum shit. It wouldn't get mixed and mastered. That's cool. That's you know that's amazing. <laughs> like in this yeah. time and day and time where everyone's I like know. you know have your shit mixed, have it mastered. It matters when it comes mm. across the speaker and how yeah. simplified things were back in '96. It's like man, fuck it, we just gonna record it, put it out yeah. there, man. You know, and as long as a nigga got a good guy can hear that bass in my vocals, then I don't give a damn. Cause yeah, you know, wow. Yeah. 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 So, man, now we go into notable quotables. So this is where mm. we take a verse or a part of a verse and or some lines and you quote them basically something that's notable for you. So uh, any notable quotables or lyrics here that you want to reference or a part in a song that you want to reference is lyrics that, you know, kind of stuck with you when you listen to them. Yes, most definitely. And I've been waiting for years to say this because <laughs> okay. every time I listen to this song, this shit hit me. It hit me different every time. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a monologue from the end of Break Em Off something. Mm-hmm. For all y'all niggas rapping out there about other niggas on records, real niggas don't rap about niggas on records. Y'all hoes and hoes talk shit. Mm. <laughs> y- niggas know who the real f- fucking ice cream is. And that shit rings so true, man, because, yeah. you know, like you said, I got a few years on you. Yeah. But I remember um, at the time, 93, you know, East Coast centric hip hop. New York was the trendsetters. Everybody had a song called Rep- Represent and I Keep It Keep It Real around that time. New Yorkers, keep it real, keep it real. I keep it real. Everybody yeah, had a song or real. album, keep it real. real. And that's where that 93, man, everybody had some shit keeping it real. Mm. And hip-hop is street music and hip-hop is keeping it real. Then what P said right here on this song, don't get realer than that. We supposed to be getting to this shit to make some money. How the fuck we going to make money? We just sitting there talking about each other. Yeah, right. You know, so mm-hmm. that shit rings true. And even what I'm doing today, not music, but even in podcasting in the media world i salute people like you all other curators of this culture who keep this shit alive indeed man. you know and it's 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 like why dudes it was just on a a different level now man dudes talking down other dudes worry about what dudes got in their pocket yeah i mean man this ideology what pete said right here this was basic principles exactly basic yeah 
Exactly. We wasting time talking about other men. We supposed to be on our shit right now. Yeah. And you know that Pete was a real one for that. And during the intro, he mentioned something else like, you know, niggas is out here doing all this type of shit. Like you got niggas beefing East Coast, West Coast, niggas Mm -hmm. beefing with each other. You know, he said, shoot, man, it's basically like a damn turf war out here, man. We supposed to be out here getting this money, you know? Uh And so he, I mean, he was a real one for that. And, you know, I think he always kind of stuck to that it's like yo man like listen get get keep your mind on your paper and keep your mind off the next man <laughs> thing whatever the hell you doing that's yeah. right on that's right on message with him man exactly <laughs> exactly right. he always i mean he he always said in the music if you in the street doing what you have to do mm. like he always said he still said to this day i changed my life he always said get what get your paper get what you're gonna do and get out he was giving basic i don't and, and why people was and that's exactly what he did with the music game treated mm-hmm. it like the dope game he yeah. got in there had a formula got his money and got, got out. out got out when he got out you still had our people saying oh p is p is irrelevant you know <laughs> you remember in, in the early 2000s up until you know while romeo was growing up people he's he irrelevant you know he's this he's that mm-hmm. uh, uh, no limit fell off i'm like no he told you exactly what he was saying he yeah, was going to do going do exactly man <laughs> you know exactly and a dude like p you got to understand is like when you deal with somebody who's a hustler who becomes a businessman they see things in different terms than other people mm-hmm. do it was never it wasn't a long game yeah but it was more so of a short game about anything else like all right i'm gonna make sure i'm i'm gonna I'm I'm win i'm gonna make sure not only yeah. that that my people win and yeah. um i like listening to those no limit chronicles and watching talking about some of your look when you get signed to no limit you do something off the top this is what you getting you know and he took care mm-hmm. of his people and um yep. And that's really what it, you know, really, really what it was about. And to him, it was like, look, let's win. Once I know that I'm out, I'm out. But then, you know, I'm gonna make sure that I'm gonna set myself up, uh, set myself up straight because I came from the streets and I know exactly how this game is supposed to be played. It ain't no different yeah. than the dope game, you know. So exactly, yeah. he, he's a real one for that, man. I think that that authenticity um, and to be honest with not just uh, the game, but then honest with yourself is really what's lacking a lot now. You know, so what's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Uh, my notable quotable, not surprisingly, comes from Pimp C. Durham, break mm. them off something. Mm. <laughs> and mm. I mean, so, you know, and Pimp C says, of course, <laughs> let me set the shit straight. Let me lay down the rules. Ooh. If a bitch is talking Ooh. shit, then that bitch going to snooze. Pimp C, bitch, now what the fuck you said? AK hit the wall, tore the stuffing out the fucking bed. Fucking bed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know? Oh, man. And I mean, so it, it, it's just, you know, look, I could have a, I would love that somebody could come up with a damn book full of notable quotables mm. just from Chad yeah. himself. Just bruh. from Chad himself. Just from Chad himself, man. And he's, he was was really without a shadow of a doubt and that's how i know like you know a dude like p and a dude like pimp could pimp c could, could fuck with each other because mm-hmm. they they were two of the almost two of the same type niggas like you know what i'm saying i've done yeah. listened to tons of pimp c interviews and heard yeah. him talk he's one of the realest dudes that i've ever heard in right. my life when it comes to like that like not just the game but life in general man and right. he really was a rare breed so you know it yeah. really was a rare breed and um yeah that, i was that's, just telling my son 
Yeah. I'm so I'm sorry. I was yeah. I was just telling my son like a couple of weeks ago about the three individuals that's probably hit as far as hip hop concerned because of their subject matter. They weren't afraid to be vulnerable and tell you exactly what they put on paper was they, what they were feeling at that minute, and that was uh, that was Chad, Tupac, and DMX, and that's that's why people love those three, three. Yeah. as much as they did because the stuff that you might want to say and you can't say, mm-hmm. they're saying it for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. yeah. Chad let you know, man. It's a lot of the same shit that Pete was saying. Like you know, yeah, we, Chad, all, shit. All, all your, yeah. Chad say tomorrow I got caught. I ain't gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he left it at that. Tomorrow yeah, I got caught. At, I ain't, I ain't gonna, gonna go. Go. That's it. Yeah, man. So yeah. yeah, but that's um. And I sort of talk about. I was reading this interview, man. And P said, you know, that when he talks about his albums, he was like, you know, he's had albums that has you know sold money. I mean, Ghetto D sold. Uh, Three quarters of a million in the first week in '97. Last yeah. Don sold multi platinum album. He's had so many different other records that have gone and sold platinum and gold and multi platinum albums. And he put a lot of people on. But in an interview that he did with Hip Hop DX um, with the 20th anniversary of Ice Cream Man, he said, This is the most important one. And he said, Reason being is that, man, he said, if it wasn't for notice, it wouldn't be no ghetto D, wouldn't be no last Don. Shit says mm. shit. It probably wouldn't be no limit for what the hell people know no limit to be. Looking mm. back after all these years, he says shit. You wouldn't have no damn drill. You wouldn't have no damn trap. None of that right. shit would exist without none, without this shit. You know what mm. I'm saying? I sat back and I thought and I was like, you know what? He is absolutely right. Because this went platinum. This was a platinum selling album, and mm-hmm. which was a big deal back then for you to be an independent label to go platinum. Um mm-hmm. And to be able to be able to call the shots really was a rarity. But he just said this is this was important. He said like, man, wouldn't be none of, no ghetto D, no last on, no limit. He's like, shit, wouldn't be no trap music or none of the other stuff. Right. The people talking. He was yeah. like, without this, because this is the most important one. So, what are your feelings on him basically saying that? Like, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that's what's the most impressive thing about why I'm such uh, I want to say a fan of P is more not so of course for the music and f- yes, but. I think me being where I'm from is the symbology of what he represented and who he was. Cause mm-hmm. you know, uh, everything you just said, man, um, like when, when ghetto D hit 3.5 million, I just read the other day that no limit had an office inside of priority, mm-hmm. uh, who was their distributor. Yeah. But once ghetto D hit 3.5 million, you had people quitting priority to work for no, no limit, limit who was in the same office, <laughs> which how crazy is that? I mean, No Limit pretty much took over the Priority's office and was running, telling Priority what to do. Which, you know, yeah. that, shit, that shit was just crazy. And for a dude to be, you know, down where I'm from and to see, man, to see the kind of shit was going on, to see yeah. where, I, where I am in North Atlanta in 97, how the street, they had a, a fake a promoter promoted a fake show with all the No Limit soldiers. They, all the No Limit is going to be on, you know, in one venue. And it, was, it wasn't far from my house. So, shit, every thug nigga from Metro Atlanta was up on 20 inches up on my side of town, man, riding yeah. back and forth. And it was a bogus promotion, but oh, still man. just to see who came out for yeah. it, man. It was crazy. Yeah. Just cause. And and I could, God, man, I, I wish that I, I could have been 
down there during that time because I remember how things were in D.C. around that time. Mm. But around that time, that's really when the South was really starting to come up nationally. People were starting yeah. to recognize the South as the players that should have been. I mean, because you had recognition from the Ghetto Boys and mm-hmm. you had recognition from artists here and there. But then as people started to recognize, okay, you start seeing stuff like Outkast, like Goody Mob, then No mm-hmm. Limit starts to emerge, UGK, and then yeah. Scarface as a solo artist really becomes a force in the game. Mm-hmm. And then people are just starting to understand, okay, yeah, exactly what Dre said, the South got something to say. Yeah. And it's not just them that got something to say, it's a lot of them, you know? And then you <laughs> could put you could put P and No Limit into that as well. So, right. and this is for me coming from in high school, I wasn't a No Limit fan at all, at all. And, mm. and I will say that it took the music game and hip hop taking a turn within this last decade to for me to really appreciate all the things that No Limit did. Um, because now, to me, hell, I'll listen to that before I listen to any of this, you know. So, so you you know what's also I mean, it, it got to be you'd have to be to be there to understand. Um, what's the population of? I know how big DC is. What's the population? Uh, it's about six hundred thousand. Six hundred thousand okay. people now. Yeah. Um, New Orleans at the time, man, maybe half a million people, mm-hmm. and that's the city proper yeah. you know when you expand to the suburbs it was probably 1.2 million at the time okay but the city was maybe half million and most of that talent came from right one neighborhood from mm. uptown New York, from yeah. third ward third you know ward. you had Lil wayne from holly grove in the 17th but third yeah. ward all those projects the yeah. upt magnolia the uh, calio uh, and yeah. right there in the middle you had the, the mel for me it's like man you had to see how close all this stuff is to realize all that talent at that one time mm. came from that one neighborhood yeah and they brought so much money to the city. They brought too much commerce, the industry, especially when they had the headquarters in Baton Rouge. And like I think I said on your last show, it's a damn shame that they weren't ready to see a black man with that much money right. and influence in New in, in Louisiana at that time. Yeah, that's oh man, goodness. What a time, man. What a time. Yeah. And those are the type of things that when we talk about hip hop history, it's important that we dig back into the origins of it. But now as we get further along, this is hip hop history. This is mm-hmm. like, you could talk about P literally running around that Gulf coast and making an empire out of stuff, going to the West coast, coming back to new Orleans and really planning a flag that shoot by the time 98 came around, they were one of the two or three biggest labels in rap, you know, right. and nobody was probably selling more money. you making more money than now, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you know, <Exactly. laughs> yeah. not, not Diddy, you know, not, not right. even, not even Jay-Z and Rockefeller and Dame and Rockefeller, you know, no, these are the people. P was probably out there making more money than all of them, you yeah. know? So yeah. it's just amazing. And this really was the, the, the start of it. Ice cream, man. So, so now we get to the last part of it, the final test, the test to see, you know, what kind of classic is it? You know, is it a borderline, is it a certified classic, borderline classic, classic just in this time or not a classic at all? And then, of course, as we do here, we have a classic rating from seven to ten, seven meaning that you don't feel as strongly about it, ten that you feel as strongly about it. Tell me what kind of classic it is and then what kind of rating. So, Nathan, what say you about Ice Cream Man and its status? Man, I would have to classify this as an uh, underground classic. Mm-hmm. Okay. For the simple fact that it's definitely, definitely not main, definitely not mainstream album. Mm-hmm. It it takes a certain type of individual to it, like you know, like we spoke of, to appreciate mm-hmm. what's going on here and yeah. what it meant at that time. Yeah. Um. You know, this was a certain time where you had to have a major label pretty much promoting the hell out of you to go platinum, and if you went platinum. At the time, that means you had a sing-songy type hook yeah. that crossed over, you know, your single crossed over, you know, stuff like that. 
So to to say this was hundred percent street street shit is yeah. underground classic, bro. Underground you know, classic. I gotta get this without a shadow of a doubt, you know, I feel strongly about this and you know, yeah, can't be convinced otherwise. I hear you. So I think I'm gonna go the same ways. I think overall, um, in the broad scheme of the industry, I would say this is definitely a borderline classic, but it's mm-hmm. definitely without a shadow of a doubt, a southern hip hop and underground classic. And this is what I like to refer to as a foundational album. Like right. I like to talk about the Southern Hip Hop foundational albums. There's a there's like a, a group of these, and you could probably add to these uh, the ones I'm about to give you. When you talk about Outcast, Southern Playalistic, Cadillac Music, mm-hmm. you talk about Goody Mob, Soul Food. You talk about uh, uh, Two Live Crew, uh, Bad As They mm-hmm. Want to Be, As We Want to Be, uh, Scarface, uh, The Diary. Actually, you mm-hmm. could throw in Mr. Scarface's back and The Diary. You could talk yeah. about UGK, Riding Dirty. We just talked about that. This right. is sort of like one of those f- foundational Southern hip-hop albums where you talk about the influence, really. Yeah. Not just in the quality of music, but the influence. When I talk about the, these foundational albums, this really mm-hmm. went to not only just to the identity of the place, but it really started to shape the culture where right. it's a seismic shift that opens up the dams wherever they are. And I think any one of those albums could be considered as one of those albums when I talk about foundational albums. And that's what I think it is. And so on that scale, as an underground and Southern hip-hop classic, I give it a 10 out of 10. And um, for me, I can appreciate it because, again, what P meant to the culture, not just in New Orleans and not just in in the South, but he did it his way. Very rarely do we get to see a black man that honestly being able to run something independently and be able to get money for him and his people and then not be able to sacrifice any of his integrity or quality over it as well. Because how many times do we have people that do that in the game, man? Now we have people that are, (laughs) now we have people, you see Diddy, he a billionaire, you know, Jay-Z's a billionaire, Dr. Dre, almost a billionaire. You're seeing that, man, but... P was getting the money and he was getting damn near all of it. And, you know, then he took that and he flipped it just like dope. And then he took it into something else and he flipped it. And then when he realized it was done, it was like, I, you know what? My work is done here. (laughs) Yeah. My work is done here. So we both think it's a classic, definitely Southern classic, underground hip hop, classic street, Mm -hmm. classic hood, classic, whatever kind of, Classic, you want to term it as to describe what it means to the game. That's what we think it is, man. So definitely yes, Masterpiece Ice Cream Man 25 years ago, just this week. Y'all make sure y'all go check it out, man. Listen to it. Go watch some of those old videos. Pull them up on YouTube, man. And also make sure you listen to P and his reaction about this. He did an interview on Sway about five years ago to talk about the 20-year anniversary of Ice Cream Man. Very insightful interview. Definitely whenever P gives an interview, it's definitely a really, really great listen. So right y'all make sure y'all go check it out man so nathan as always bro i'd like to thank you and before we go ahead and wrap up i want to make sure that we give people a chance to let them know where they can find you on social media and also your podcast plug all that let the people know where they can find you yeah thank you bro uh they can find me on instagram at the professor 73 that's at the professor 73 and also at let me see at food dope podcast that's Food Dope Podcast. And uh, please check out the podcast. Uh, you can find me on any major podcast platform. Players from the South. That's also, look up Players with a Z. Players from the South and Food Dope. Uh, on Spotify, iHeart, uh, Apple Podcasts, of course. I'm, all, I'm, I'm there. Indeed. The professor, Nathan Riedel, 
Yes, he sir. is of Urban Science Media, players from the South, and also Food Dope Podcast. Y'all, please go make sure you go check it out. Support my man. He's one of the good ones, I like to say, in the content creation community. He has passion for what he does. And when somebody loves what, what they do, it bleeds out through your screens and through your headphones. So make sure y'all go check my man out and show him some love. Thank and, you, my G. Thank oh, you for having me. Indeed, man. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you check us out on our host on Red Circle. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to the Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming sources. If you go to the bio on any one of our social media pages, you can get to our link tree, which has all of our streaming sources and social media pages. You can follow us on Instagram on at Vault CMR Podcast, on Twitter at Vault Classic, and on Facebook and YouTube, you can search the Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast. Go to the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, holler us out on social media. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we'd like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at I-V-E-C-R-E-8. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.